Uh, who is this? Drew Brees. So Drew Brees, week five, broke Peyton Manning's record of the most passing records uh, of a quarterback in the NFL. He has thrown for more than 73,000 yards. And what Peyton Manning did this week was he gave commemorative footballs to all the people who've helped him be successful. So he made a list of all the receivers who've ever received a pass. And he thought, you know, there's a whole lot of people who blocked for me. So he made a list of all the blockers. And he thought, well, it's not just the blockers and the receivers. It's also the coaches and the mentors. And he gave out 174 commemorative footballs this past year. Now, if you knew nothing else about Drew Brees, if you didn't know that he was from the favored state of Indiana as a quarterback for Purdue... I had to get that in somewhere, and it actually worked. If you didn't know that he's married four kids, if you didn't know that such a role model in New Orleans, 39 years old, still getting it done. If you knew nothing else about Drew Brees, you would know that he's the right kind of leader. Say that, right kind of leader. You go, well, that's that's a celebrity. What about the average person, the normal person in life? Well, I I love this picture. These ladies are from the Mercy Children's Home in St. Louis, Missouri. They pulled their money and bought a lottery ticket, which I'm not recommending. (laughs) But they actually won $10,000. And as a result of the 10K, they didn't split the money up among themselves. They had two colleagues, one, lost a hus- one lo- has a husband with cancer, another one has a son that just passed away, and these ladies gave all five, 5K to one, 5K to the other family. Th- these are the right kind of, of leaders. If you've got a child in the neonatal intensive care unit in St. Louis, you'd want one of these ladies taking care of your kid. You know nothing else about them, but you know they're the right kind of leader. Turn to your neighbor and say, right kind of leader right kind of leader. This couple here was flying down uh, North Carolina Highway going 85 miles an hour. Jimmy and Laura, she's pregnant and her water breaks in the van on the way to the hospital. They flag officer 15-year veteran Brian Maynard down and uh, of course the sirens are going off because they're going 85 miles an hour past them. And Jimmy gets out with his hands up going, help, help, I need help. My wife's in labor. We're going to have a baby. And Sergeant Maynard gets to the van, quickly assesses the situation, says, son, it's me and you right here, right now. (laughs) And in five minutes, he helped deliver this baby girl. You know nothing, I know nothing else about the sergeant. I know nothing about him. But I know this. He's the right kind of leader. And so as we approach this Christmas season, and two weeks ago we talked about Joseph being the right kind of leader, I wanted to circle back to Herod. And we all know that Herod's the wrong kind of leader. But why? Why is Herod the wrong kind of leader? And I want to talk about the wise men today. We all know the story of the wise men. But I want to talk about this as to why the wise men were the right kind of leaders. Now, if you knew that Herod was so remarkable in helping the economic system of Judea, 
And if you knew that Herod actually created a whole lot of job growth, and if you knew that Herod actually had some great buildings, he called himself the Great. So in other words, there were Herods, but he titled himself, I'm not just Herod, I'm Herod the Great. I, in other words, I'm the greatest Herod. And, and, and it's kind of interesting. He, he designs this, and this is called Caesarea Maritime. And Herod the Great is actually the one who came up with underwater concrete. Man was evil, but the man was brilliant. And he takes this area, this place, and he makes a seaport and has breakers in the water where it's not a really good place to have ships come in and out. But he figured out how to do it. And he, he took the temple, and he builds this massive temple for the Jews. Now, this is confusing to me when I was, you know, years ago in Bible college. So there were lots of synagogues, but only one temple. There were synagogues in every village, synagogues in every town, lots and lots of synagogues, but there was one temple. Solomon built the big temple. It was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. The governor, Zerubbabel, rebuilds the temple, but they were all disappointed because it was cheesy. And, it, you know, it's like going from a 10,000-square-foot house back, you know, down to a 1,000-square-foot house. It's like, this is hard. And so what Herod does is he takes that small temple and he makes it massive. But you still know that even though he did all that good, you know he was the wrong kind of leader. Now, this is not the Herod that slaughtered 3,000 people on one day. Same family. Not the Herod that beheaded John the Baptist. Same family. This is the Herod who murdered about 200 innocent baby boys in the community of Bethlehem. That's the Herod we're talking about today. And so the Jews never liked this Herod. A couple of reasons there was such resentment. Number one, his mother, Cyprus, was an Arab princess from Petra. And so they considered him to be a half-breed. Racism today, racism back then. And so this Herod is the product of an Arab princess and a fully Jewish-blooded man named Antipur. And the Jews always resented Caesar Augustus putting this Herod in charge of Judea. But he just wasn't a good guy. First of all, he divorces his first wife, Doris. Then he executes his second wife, Miriam, whom they had five children together. He executes two of the five children from Miriam, and he executes Miriam's mother, Miriam's brother, and Miriam's grandfather. Other than that, he was great. <laughs> Just a bad, bad dude. And, and so we, we talk about, well, actually, it's kind of funny. Caesar Augustus said this. He said, it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be one of his family members. <laughs> what a quote that is. So, so you know that Herod's the wrong kind of leader. And you know that the wise men are the right kind of leader. Now, what does it look like in your world? I don't know all of you. You may have been raised by the wrong kind of mom. You may have been raised by the wrong kind of dad. You may have had the right kind of mother, the right kind of, I, I don't know. But all of us in this room understand the value of leadership. And in this Christmas story, I've never noticed leadership before. Joseph did the right things. Today I want to talk about the wise men and why they did the right things and how we can model and emulate that. But in your world, if you're not the right kind of mom, 
It's not the end of the world for the kid, but it sure makes life hard. If you're not the right kind of grandfather for grandchildren, if you're not the right kind of nurse, plumber, electrician, coach, school teacher, if you're not the right, I mean, it just makes life so much more difficult. So is it possible for us to continue to become and hopefully grow into becoming the right kind of leaders? I I, I think it is. So let's look at why Herod was the wrong kind of leader. But first of all, let's look at the wise men. What did they do right? And what can I get my mind and my hands around so that I can become a better leader as well. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, these were kings. We always talk about three kings. We have no idea how many kings there were. We talk, talk about three kings because they gave three gifts. There could have been 50 kings. We have no clue. We think about a caravan of like 10 or 12. It's probably more like a caravan of a couple of hundred So here's this massive caravan. Probably took a year and a half since they saw the star in the east till they get to the house to where they're going. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea during the time of King Herod, magi, wise men, kings from the east came to Jerusalem. Probably a year and a half journey. And they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Kings coming to worship an infant. So let's talk about this. If you want to be the right kind of leader, you you learn to ask the right questions. The right kind of leaders don't talk all the time. Hello. The right kind of leaders know what to ask. They know when to speak. They know when to be quiet. And they're asking the exact right question. Hey, we see this star where, where is this? And then they, they go silent. They go quiet. The right kind of leaders always see a little clearer. These kings saw a star. So did everybody else. These kings, though, saw a future king. Probably nobody else did. These kings decided they were going to have to take a journey to the right place to meet the right people. The right kind of leader sees The right kind of leader just sits back sometimes and watches and observes and almost sees what nobody else sees. I think it's a mother who sees a child and goes, that kid's kid's only eight months old. Look at the rhythm. That that child's in middle school. Look at his ability to, you see, a leader sees. The right kind of leader approaches in humility. Is there really any reason today for any of us to be arrogant? God gave you the gifts. God placed within you the will to get better. I mean, if you're really good at what you do, is there any reason for you to brag? I just think that's funny. When I hear people bragging today, I just, I want to start laughing. You idiot. I can't say it. I'm the preacher. I got to be holy. But That's what I'm thinking. Why, why would anybody be arrogant today? God's given you the gifts. He's given you your lane. My goodness. So you've just got incredible skill because of him. And so these three kings approach with such humility. The right kind of leader knows the difference between the majors and the minors. Some people never get this. Some people make everything the same drama. 
the right kind of dad knows what to overlook. And the right kind of dad knows that's an issue. The, the right kind of doctor knows that's not a really big deal. That is a huge deal. In your life and in my life, it's learning the difference between the majors and the minors. The right kind of leader is on a journey to worship well and better. And these kings were on a journey. And aren't, aren't we on a journey? I mean, you're here today because you want to be the right kind of leader. You're here today because you want to grow. All of you are here this morning, unless you lost a bed or she's cute or something happened. You're here because you want to become the man or the woman that God's called you to be. You want to grow. And, and so we're on a journey. We're on a journey to worship well and better. And the right kind of leader is always willing to explore, take the journey, and pay the price. The, the wrong kind of leader never explores. I wonder what if. I wonder if we did. I wonder what this looks like. If we thought about the, the right kind of leader is always exploring. And then the, the third point about that, though, is, is, is you're willing to pay the price. And again, I think you're the right kind of leaders because you're willing to pay the price on a Sunday morning to grow in your faith. You're willing to pay the price to become a part of the body of Christ that individually we can't do a whole lot, but collectively there's, no, there's nothing we can't accomplish together. That's the right kind of leader. Well, let's talk about Herod because I think all of us have probably been the wrong kind of leader at some time, some situation. Either as a parent, as a leader, as a pastor, as a politician, you know, whatever your profession is, we've probably all been the wrong kind of leader at some point. And, and maybe for those in the room that, that are younger, this is a really good thing for you to avoid. Um, it, was, it was Black Friday this year, so it wasn't that long ago, just a couple months, months or so ago. And I, I've started doing all my shopping on Black Friday. I know I'm weird as a guy. But the malls are filled with five million women. And the men's departments are empty. <laughs> empty. So five years ago, I kind of started this gig, and I do almost all my shopping on Black Friday. I know that's weird as a guy, but it's what I do. There's no guys there. to mark down 40%. So I had this appointment with this young man, and he's actually in the room, and I used the same story first hour. 24, 25, young businessman, and he wanted to have tea at Starbucks, and so we go and we meet. And he starts asking me about the spiritual journey. Now, as a young 24, 25-year-old, he's got a lot of skill and a lot of talent. He's got a great future as a young businessman. He's, he's really learned a lot. But he's sitting there as the right kind of leader saying, what can I be spiritually? How do I grow spiritually? So I ask him the question, what's your three-year plan to grow spiritually? And he said, well, I haven't thought about that. Well, you've got a three-year plan business-wise. You've got a three-year plan with family. You've got a three-year plan with money. What's your three-year plan spiritually? How are you, are you going to learn to pray a little bit more this year better? Are you going to learn the scriptures a little bit more better this year? Are you going to learn to become a connect group leader? Are you going to learn to become a prayer partner? What about an elder someday? How will you take the steps to get there? And you see, the right kind of leader recognizes that spiritual growth is a journey, and it's not the long jump, it's the baby steps. So I'm going to encourage you to do what I said to him. Write down a three-year spiritual plan on the steps that you're going to take to grow spiritually, and then let's get back together. The wrong kind of leader makes everyone feel the pain. 
You've felt that before with a boss, a coach, a teacher, a parent, a grandparent. Here's what Herod did. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Don't miss that part. And all Jerusalem with him. When you're the wrong kind of leader, who's affected? All. All that you touch. When you're the right kind of leader, who gets blessed? All. That wasn't a trick question. That was really easy. It gets harder from there, okay? All. All were disturbed. All Jerusalem was disturbed with him. The wrong kind of leader might ask the right questions, but they have the wrong motives. Just because you ask the right question doesn't mean you're a great leader or the right leader. You may ask the right question, but your heart is deceptive because you're trying to manipulate somebody. So when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. He he wasn't going to worship Jesus, was he? He's just trying to manipulate the situation. The wrong kind of leader has no fear of God or respect for the scriptures. I'll never forget about eight or nine years ago, it was uh, Easter season, it was a Good Friday service, and it was not our exact neighborhood, it was our neighborhood proper, but I asked this this man if he would like to um, come to a, a worship service, to our church. He said, no, I think I am God. I said, I thought I didn't hear him right. I couldn't, I couldn't have. I, I said, walk me through that one more time. What did, you, what did you say? He said, no, I'm not interested. I said, I, I think I am God. I started backing up just a little bit. And um, he, we would see him, Danita and I would see him like running in, in the neighborhood in our area. And Danita would say, there goes God. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Here's the scripture that goes with that. Where is he supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea. This is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Why didn't Herod know that? Why didn't the king know the scripture on where the Messiah was going to be born? The wrong kind of leader doesn't read the Bible. The wrong kind of leader is arrogant. The wrong kind of leader just thinks he or she knows it all. The wrong kind of leader is secretive. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. The wrong kind of leader is deceptive and he's untrustworthy. All these are in your app, by the way. If you open up your app, all these are in there and you can fill in some blanks. But the wrong kind of leader is deceptive and untrustworthy. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. He had no intentions of worshiping Jesus, did he? He had no intentions at all. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, look at this. Here's the wise men. Back to the good kind of leaders. Let's contrast Herod to the wise men. Great leaders here listen. We listen. Great leaders here. And just try to understand what's really taking place. I think the wise men are great leaders because even if they're unsure, they keep moving. Sometimes you've got to keep moving. Sometimes you just can't get stuck. Sometimes even if you're not exactly sure, but you feel like you're okay, you've you got to move. 
the wise men are like freaked out. Well, we've made this year and a half trip. We've got 200 people in the caravan. Here we are in the king. And the king seems like the wrong kind of leader. And we don't have a good feeling. Our stomach's churning in front of the king. And now the king tells us to come back. And they're going, I don't think we're going to come back. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep doing what we think we're supposed to do. That's not the right direction. We're not circling back to Jerusalem and telling Herod where he was born. Life wasn't about them. They could rejoice. The the wrong kind of leader is jealous and envious and bitter when somebody else gets a blessing. The wrong kind of leader is like, well, how come I didn't get this? Well, how come she got blessed? Well, how come they got blessed? Well, how come? I don't understand that. I don't understand why it always happens a certain way. But, but the right kind of leader, when something good happens to you, says, wow, that's awesome. God put his hand of favor on you. Let's rejoice. And here's what they could do. They were kings. And they were on a year and a half journey to worship a little baby boy who would become the king of the world. And when they found him, they just, they rejoiced. Look what they did. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They knew they were on a mission. They knew life wasn't about them. They were worshipers. They were givers. We know they gave gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold was a gift to a king. Frankincense was prayer. And myrrh was burial. Here's what they did. These, These kings, however many they were, gave these three gifts to say, basically, gold, you're a king, and the frankincense is because your prayers are going to intercede for us on our behalf, and we're preparing you for burial, and they honored him. Really, this was foreshadowing communion, and we'll talk about that some other day. On coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. See, they came to the house. This is a year and a half later, maybe up to two years. And they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their, their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and with myrrh. And they have favor. That's what the right kind of leader gets. The right kind of leader gets favor. I don't fully understand how this works. I just know it works. When you're in the center of the fairway of God's will, and you're doing what God's called you to do, God just puts his hand of favor on your health, on your life, on your business. And I don't have it all figured out, neither do you. But I just know it happens. And they, they got favor. They got the favor of God, and their journey was incredibly successful. Well, let's finish the story. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. None of us get that. How insecure was this guy? 150 or 200 innocent baby boys are murdered by the king's edict? None of us in this room get that. He's the wrong kind of leader, isn't he? Absolutely the wrong kind of leader. And the deepest hells are reserved for people like that. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time they learned from the Magi. And then it says, and Herod died. Jesus was about four years old. He was about four years old when Herod died. And and, and that's really the point is, is we're all going to die. 
And so what kind of leader are you going to choose to be? Well, what, what does it look like? I, I think it's almost easier to say, what does it sound like? What does the right kind of leader sound like? It sounds like Mary. Mary had a different plan with her life, and she submitted herself and humbled herself, and she said what? I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you have decreed. She, I don't always know what it looks like, but boy, I know what it sounds like. Sounds like Mary when she humbled herself. Sounds like Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah could have been incredibly bitter. He could have been resentful. Well, God, how come you're answering our prayers now? We're old. We've got to chase these little boy around the house now, you know, when we're like in our 70s and 80s. Why didn't you do it when we were in our 20s? You know, we, we prayed this. He's not bitter. Zechariah, this is what the right kind of leader sounds like. I am so thankful you showed up. My son is going to be John the Baptist. I, I got a son who's going to turn the hearts of the people back to the Father. He's going to be the forerunner, the herald, the Messiah's announcer. You hear it. You always see it in Jesus. Every conversation that Jesus ever had, every encounter that Jesus ever had. Every single person, small group, large group, we can't point to a single instance in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or the book of Acts, where Jesus was ever the wrong kind of leader. He he was always the right kind of leader. Hey, if it's you, call me to get out of the boat. They thought he was a ghost. Jesus says, come on, Peter, come on, come on, get out of the boat. Peter, for a minute, is walking on water. How cool would that be? And then all of a sudden, he begins to sink. Lord, save me. Jesus saved him. Peter, let's, let's work on your faith a little bit. They bring a woman caught in the act of adultery. The law says, stoner. What do you say, Jesus? Jesus said, you are without sin. Cast the first stone. Neither do I accuse you, but, but, but let's not do this anymore. Go and sin no more. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I love how Jesus invites himself for lunch. I want to try that sometime. Just, I'm coming to your house today. Jesus, and, and the Bible says, salvation came to that house. And Zacchaeus then goes back and starts giving money that he stole, cheated people back away. It's an amazing story after story after story. There was conflict. They're trying to trap Jesus. All right, give me a coin. Whose image is on it? Caesar's. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. This lady had, you know, she was married to seven brothers in the resurrection. Who gets her? And Jesus is going, guys, you're trying to trap me. Let me tell you how this really works in the resurrection of life. You, you, you and I want to become the right kind of leaders. We, we just look to Jesus. Don't look to me. Look to Jesus. Jesus is always, every time, every situation, the right kind of leader. What would Jesus do? So I I always am big on principles because even without these principles, well, let me rephrase that. With these principles, even if you're not a believer and you follow these principles, you will be a really good leader. That'll mess up your theology, won't it? 
Because these principles come from Jesus and God, and they're truth. Anytime you follow truth, this is why a lot of non-Christian people are great leaders. There are non-Christian people who follow the truth of these principles, and it makes them great leaders. God's truth always works whether you believe it or not. And so I'm big on the principles, and I'm going to ask you, except for number five there, if you're not a believer, that ain't going to work, but all these, which one of these principles do you need to grab onto today and say, you know what, I need to work a little harder on that one. That's a principle for me that I need to embrace. If I'm really honest, I got some room to grow in that area. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm all for the principles. And I, I've, I want you to know the principles have served me well for 30-some years as a pastor, as a dad and a husband. And they've, they've served you well. But, but even last week, our, our teaching pastor said something that just kind of made me really stop and think. And he said last week, he said, why, why would you go to the counsel of a friend when you've got the wonderful counselor? It's not that we don't want to help each other. It's not that we don't want to counsel each other. But, but, but you've got access to the Holy Spirit called the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. And, and so these principles are great. But along with these principles or in addition to these principles, what if you walked in the power of the Holy Spirit? What if you learned that there's more than just the principles? There's the presence of Christ. What if you learned that we take these great principles that are feet and foundation and legs to our life, and and we take these principles, and now we start saying, okay, I got the principles. Now, how do I apply that to this situation? In my parenting, in my neighborhood, in my health, in my money, in my business, at work, at school, how do I apply these principles? And and what if the Holy Spirit starts teaching you what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do? You see, what's so amazing about the era in which you and I live is the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and visit you. The Holy Spirit comes and inhabits you. That's the difference. Mary had visitation. She didn't have habitation. You do. Joseph had visitation. He didn't have habitation. You do. You think about these wise men. I don't know what happened after this story, but the Bible is clear. Jesus said, it's for your good that I'm going away, and when I go away, I will give you my spirit who will teach you and guide you in all things. Maybe you've been raised by horrible leaders. Maybe you've worked for 10 years in a situation that just, quite honestly, the wrong kind of leaders. Maybe you've been the wrong kind of leader. Repent. Change how you think. Change how you act. Change how you behave. And allow the Holy Spirit of God to make you and me the right kind of leaders. And what's at stake? Everything. Everything's at stake. Your health, your finances, your family, your future, what's at stake is everything. Everything in your life is at stake. And so when you get one of the principles, which is the place to start, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come on down front. When you find one of these that you're going to embrace and go the second mile and say, okay, wonderful counselor, 
will you show me how to implement this in my current context? If you would, when you find that, and all week long you're praying about that, and you've got the habitation of God, when you find it, you, you can stand up. And we'll close. Prayer partners, come on down. ever given your life to Jesus Christ he is the king and magi from the east traveled a year and a half just to get one glimpse at the savior of the world and you and I have this opportunity to have the habitation of God in our lives 24-7 didn't say it was easy it's hard it's really hard but it's bigger, it's bigger than this. It's this and the wonderful counselor. Will you embrace that? Six of you shook your head. Will you embrace that? All right. What a challenge this is for this week. What a challenge this is when family's coming in this week. Do I need to say that again? All right. I think that's it. Let me pray for us, okay? King Jesus, we worship you. You are the great I am. We love you. We serve you. We honor you. There's a lot at stake. Let us all get this right. Let us become and continue to be the right kind of leaders filled with the habitation of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.